So this morning we are continuing on in our sermon series in Matthew. So the big picture here is we're working through Matthew with this lens of restored restorers. So the idea is that as God restores you and I, we go out into the world and bring that restoration to others. So if we zoom in a little bit from that big picture of all of Matthew, we've been in this Sermon on the Mount. Um, And if you zoom in a little bit further... We've done the whole Beatitudes, the blessings, and after God gives these tremendous blessings, blessed are those, we actually end up with a few very specific corrections. Um, And so this morning we're going to continue on in those corrections with the understanding that God brings correction to restore, and it's so good. And that's what we're doing today. And so we're looking at Matthew 5. Um, verse 33, I'll be reading Matthew 5, 33 to 37, about oaths. So hear the word of the Lord. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oaths, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no, and anything beyond that comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Has anybody been Christmas shopping lately? Are you online friends or Meyer Fury friends? um, I like to online shop. And so recently I ordered a couple of things from a company that I've ordered from several times. They've got great reviews. They've got good customer service. I've done returns with them before and everything's been good. And so I was really excited to get these items for my family members. You know, the package comes in the mail, and you're, you're excited about it. And I opened it up, and have you ever felt a sweater that feels like it's made of plastic? So sad. And there weren't even, like, brands sewn into the tag. Like, I don't know where it came from. I, I couldn't wrap it. There was just no way. Um, I was so sad. I felt like I'd been lied to. You know, like, the product descriptions had been really great, and the pictures were good, and so I logged onto the website and I found all the information about the return and I started the process and then before I was about to go to the post office to put stuff in the mail, I had to pull the website back up to get the address that I had to mail it to. And they didn't even have a website anymore. The whole company had just like crashed overnight. And I went on the news source and Googled it, right? Kevin's eyes, exactly. I looked, I looked on the news and apparently this, this was like a big thing. It was a very large company that shut doors overnight and it would probably be futile for me to attempt to get a return. And I just felt like I'd been punched in the gut. Like, it stinks when people don't keep their word, right? Like, I purchased that with the understanding that it would either be the quality that they said or they would refund me as they had promised. It doesn't matter if it's a big company or a politician or a friend or a family member. When people don't keep their word, integrity dissolves and trust breaks down because I did the rest of my shopping in stores. (laughs) I don't have time to fight with this anymore, right? And perhaps 
the consequences of this kind of issue is in part why Jesus has such direct and strong things to say about how believers use their words, specifically in the context of oaths. Now, oath is kind of a strange word, right? Like, what does that mean? Um, A definition that I found said that an oath is a solemn promise, often involving or invoking a divine witness regarding one's future action or behavior. So uh, a promise is made in light of some higher authority, and the assumption here is that if you don't keep this word, that higher authority will punish you or hold you accountable somehow. So examples of that would be politicians take oaths of office. They solemnly swear in the presence of God and of national authority that they will uphold the mandate of their office. If you and I are called to stand trial, we are often asked to take an oath. Um, They used to do hand on the Bible, right? I, in front of God, in front of these witnesses, will tell the truth. When people join the military, there's an oath of enlistment where you, you swear in the presence of God you're loyalty to the nation that you represent. Often in the medical community, there are oaths taken. They used to take the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. Um, And I think there's different ones that are taken now. And even like simpler things, do you remember as a kid, the pinky promise? You know, you're kind of saying like, I don't always keep my word, but I'll try to keep this one. Maybe with my fingers crossed behind my back, right? The pinky promise. Or you'll hear, hear people say things like, I swear on my mother's grave, right? And you know that if people have to say things like that, they're probably not trustworthy, right? That's the rub. Because what we're saying is, I don't always mean it, but I really mean it this time. As God is my witness, or under the authority of this country, institution, person, whoever can hold me accountable, I'll do my best this time. People have been taking oaths forever, it seems. God first addressed oaths in Leviticus, way back in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 19, he told the people to not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Don't use me to add credibility to you. (laughs) Don't do that. That dishonors me, he says. Jews in Jesus' day were also taking oaths, and I found that even um, a lot of secular writers were talking about writing oaths I could find examples of oaths that had been used in Jesus' day or commentary on oaths. Jews often swore by God, the temple, heaven and earth, or Jerusalem. And they swore on those things because those are sacred things. So again, the idea is if I swear on Jerusalem, then God, that's his holy city, will punish me if I don't keep my word. That's why Jesus uses the very specific list that he uses. Don't swear by this or that because that's what they were using. Other groups of that day were said to swear by a king's throne. And this is interesting. They believed that if a king got sick, it was because somebody had transgressed the oath that had been sworn upon that throne. Like consequences, punishment for not keeping that oath. Now, interestingly, though, both Jewish and secular writers of the day were raising questions about the need for such oaths. Greco-Roman writers agreed that a person's character ought to be so blameless that he shouldn't have to make oaths. So both biblical and secular writers, you can find examples of Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, they all agreed and even emphasized this idea that a person ought to be so true to their word that oaths aren't necessary. 
They wrote about how people ought to be slow to speak and how when they said something, it ought to be accompanied by appropriate action. What it boiled down to was, if people could keep their word, they wouldn't have to promise. And if people lived with character and integrity, the world would just go around a lot smoother. The need for an oath is evidence that people lie. And so, in effect, the abundance of oaths that Jesus is addressing implies that people had just gotten really cheap with their words. Now, at this point, I want to clearly name, so Jesus says, don't take an oath. But there are believers who have taken oaths and have been called to take oaths because of callings into offices and responsibilities that God has given them. Military members, those in the medical community, law enforcement, people telling the truth in court. And in these cases, I think God gives a special grace. But I think it's also all the more important in these cases for people to remember that your first loyalty and oath is unto the Lord, no matter what. And if you've got to take an oath like that, it is all the more important as a believer that you do not break your word. And that's really important. But I think the point that Jesus is making this morning goes beyond formal oaths and into verbal or spoken integrity as a whole. Not many of us make oaths or take oaths, but we all speak or write into this world, right? The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, and it never ceases to amaze me how problems that existed thousands and thousands of years ago are still like my problem. (laughs) I still do these things, right? So cheap words. We live in a world that is absolutely saturated with words. We've got 24-hour news channels, millions of influencers filming themselves talking about everything from parenting tips to financial advice and everything in between. People spend thousands and thousands of hours consuming and producing millions of words that may or may not be true and that in the long run likely will add up and amount to nothing. And everyone who has a mic or a keyboard, promises to tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But who's really telling the truth? What effect do these words have on people who consume them, on you and I? The Bible has a lot to say about power, the power, and the influence of our words. So here's just a few things, and friends, I'm just scratching the surface. Scripture has a lot to say about how we use our words. Matthew 15:11 says that what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Did you know that? That we actually defile ourselves when we say things that aren't in line with Scripture or the Lord. Proverbs 10:31 says that the mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off consequences. Proverbs 12:18 says that the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words can hurt, can't they? And words can also heal. Proverbs 15:28 says that the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Proverbs 15:1 says that a gentle answer turns away wrath 
But a harsh word can stir up anger. How many parents know this to be true? Proverbs 13.3, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life, but the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So it's no wonder why the psalmist pleads in Psalm 141. He says, God set a heart over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And Matthew, Jesus says, but I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The biblical writer James had a lot to say about how we use our words, and James liked to use images. James talked about our tongue as a fire like a destructive fire that, if not wielded by the Lord, literally is set on fire by the enemy and can light other people in things on fire. James also talked about words being a rudder on a big ship. Like, think about this. A positive word of encouragement in the right direction can turn the course of someone's life. But a really destructive word can unravel somebody and send them on the wrong track. The point is, we don't have to swear on God or anything else for our words to have power, because they already do. I think we can all think of an example where someone's words have built us up, right? Like, Have you had mentors who just absolutely, you would say, the words that they gave you have made you you? Like, incredible. But I think we also have those words that were spoken that still feel like they bleed a little bit. Right? Like James said, the words of leaders and influencers can actually steer the culture of the world like a ship. The words of friends and parents and mentors can build or break a person. Gossip and slander, even truthful things spoken in inappropriate contexts can create immeasurable damage. And when promises are made and then not kept, businesses fall apart, marriages break down, relationships are compromised, people are hurt tremendously. Words matter. And when our mouths are not consistently and conscientiously yielded to the Lord, as James says, they are weapons of destruction that can be wielded by the enemy. This is so sobering. I I was so convicted as I worked through this text personally. Like, how many of my words did I just not need to say? How many times have I said something based on assumption and I was wrong? Um, words matter. There's a reason scripture tells us to be slow to speak. And this raises a number of questions, I think, for you and I this morning. How are we using our words with one another? With our spouses, with our friends, with our kids, with close friends that we feel like we can say anything to? How are we using our words when we talk about one another? 
Do our words build up and encourage? Do they build something of value? Or do they dishonor and stir the pot? What sorts of words are we using when we talk about people or leaders or politicians that we disagree with? Because our words about them matter too. How do we talk about our boss, our parents, the president, or the governor? Are we committed to truth and honor even in the things we post and share online? Are we fact-checking? Are we honoring? Are we people whose word can be trusted? And it works the other way, too. How are we being influenced by the constant flow of words in this world? Are we taking in things that aren't true or building up or encouraging? The sermon series is on restored to be restorers, and that's fit every sermon, but I think it fits really beautifully with this one. We've talked about how Jesus is flipping culture on its head, but it's more than that. Jesus is fixing it. Like, think about this. Jesus is acknowledging that empty and cheap words have created a ton of destruction. And he's calling believers to practice integrity in their words in order to clean up destruction, to build up, to encourage, and really to point the world to God. Because, friends, our God means what he says. And he says what he says. He does what he says he's going to do. And he's calling us as believers to practice that kind of integrity, to point the world to him. After Jesus tells people not to swear oaths on these higher powers, he says, Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair black or white. All you need to say is simply yes or no, and anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What is Jesus saying? Let me take a stab at it. I think he's saying something to the effect of, Listen, you can't make anything happen on your own. Who are you to make lofty promises? I'm the one in control, and I'm the one who empowers you to do things. So be a person who shares my character. Think and discern before you speak. If you have the capacity and the willingness to do it, and I've given you peace about it, say yes. And together we'll make that happen. And if you don't, say no and let it be. Don't say things that I wouldn't say. Keep me in your answers. Be a person who can be trusted. Be a person who doesn't need to make lofty promises to be believed because you're a person of integrity to begin with. Now, why is this so important? This is being addressed right up there with things like adultery and divorce and murder. This is a very big deal. And I think it's important because I want you to imagine with me. Imagine with me a world where businesses run by believers were handled with complete, uncompromising integrity. A business that always kept its word. Imagine a world where every person who claimed to know Jesus was slow to speak. They spoke words that built up and encouraged. And when correction was needed, they spoke that truth in love that was transformational. Imagine a world where Christian leaders and politicians consistently said what they meant and kept their word. 
Imagine a world where it would be common knowledge that a Christian would never lie. We would not gossip. We would not slander. We did not say things we didn't mean, and we didn't make promises that we couldn't keep. Friends, that kind of world, it's radical. The whole world would come to know Jesus. We point the world to Jesus. We just talked about gospel reach in all the world. This is your tools, friends. We embody the character of Jesus, and it comes out in our words. How many people haven't you talked to that say, I don't want anything to do with God or church because I met this one Christian that said this to me? Right? Our words are a weapon. I recently came across a meme, like a picture with a text for people who avoid social media. Like maybe we all should, but I digress. Um, <laughs> I, I came across the meme, and it said something to the effect of, I've got a good heart, but this mouth. And it's kind of funny, because don't we all resonate with that, right? Like, I'm working really hard to be good, but sometimes things come out, and I go, Shoot. But the rub is that this is simply not true, and this sermon isn't just moralism. I'm not just standing up here and saying, be quiet, don't say things. I'm not talking about just in our own strength solving this problem, because Scripture says that out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speak. And so what that means is if we've got a trouble, if we have trouble not gossiping, that points to something that's bubbling out of our hearts. And if we struggle with not always telling the truth, it's a bubble over of something that's going on in our hearts. And as scripture says, Jesus came to restore. He binds up broken hearts. And so I believe that as the Lord restores our hearts, it impacts what comes out of our mouths, and that impacts the world and in turn impacts the hearts of those we come in contact with. Does this make sense? So good. And so, friends, I I just want to take a few minutes to pray, and I'm going to do this with you, and we're going to ask the Lord, what's going on in my heart that's bubbling out of my mouth? What words are influencing me? And what do you want to restore today? And I just want to invite you. I'm going to open us with prayer, and we'll sit with the Lord And then I just want you to cooperate with him, whatever he says. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for um, the way that you you speak truth to us in love. Lord, you tell us the truth because you want to restore us. And you want to restore the world. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would... Breathe afresh in this place. Pray that you would silence any distractions in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would speak clearly to each one of us about how you would restore us this morning. Come Holy Spirit.